0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. Today, Blaine brings on Ken Musso, the co-founder and CEO of the Personify app, to discuss how they are revolutionizing finance social media. It's a great conversation with tons of insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Magic Mind. Don't forget to follow our YouTube channel and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Hello, Ken.
1: Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you?
0: I'm great and yourself
1: doing well doing well I'm so glad we could get this scheduled
0: yes yeah, so or uh, long overdue for this and uh, happy to be here
1: absolutely so you and I've had se- many several to many conversations before so we do know each other a little bit yeah. but I don't know that much about your background do you mind giving me just the Cliff's notes?
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, uh, certainly. So I've uh, spent my whole career w- within the financial services industry. So about 12 to 13 years total. Um, I-, I spent about five years in wealth management and uh, I've always been passionate around finances.
1: Cool. Um... So where where did you do those jobs? Did you ever go to New York to do wealth management?
0: No, so I wasn't it wasn't as sexy as working on Wall Street or working as an analyst uh, right there in the, the heart of uh, of Manhattan, but instead I I worked I started off actually in retail banking. So I worked as I started off as a teller, uh, then I became a banker, then uh, worked in the business side of banking and then went up to into management over at Wells Fargo and then i decided like hey that's i didn't really have a passion for for managing or working up the corporate ladder but instead i was more interested interested in growing wealth and that's in fact why i chose to get a job within uh and and choose a career within finance or uh within banking because i wanted to learn how money works so just saying, hey, there's the, the financial advisor at the branch, I am like, okay, well, let me get licensed, become a licensed banker to work with, uh, along with clients with them. Uh, then from Wells Fargo, after being licensed as a banker, uh, I became a uh, fully licensed over at Merrill Lynch as a, as a financial advisor, where I spent my last five years before, uh, before jumping, uh, jumping the ship and starting Personify. But uh, working at Merrill was a great experience where I got to talk to thousands of people about their investments and portfolios. You learn about trading. Uh, you, you work in an office with uh, several guys. And so this is, you, you get exposed to a lot and you, you, you learn quickly in, in that environment.
1: Where do you get your clients for that when you're, when you're doing that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So because Merrill Lynch is owned by Bank of America, it was very easy to be able to field clients because you had uh, you had bankers, you had lenders uh, be able to refer clients to you. You had the, uh, the existing clients that they were able to hand off to you, go, okay, hey, let's look for ways to deepen your relationship. And if, in fact, that's actually where we had most of our success. Instead of going out, say, for example, like Edward Jones, for example, where you're knocking on doors and uh pounding the pavement to find people or going to uh, communities or golfing for clients. Instead, what we did was we we talked to clients with say just fifty or a hundred thousand dollars and said, hey, based upon your, your current financial situation, it's like there's probably a good chance there's a old 401k out there or another uh, another larger account. And that's that's where we try to instead of going for cold clients, we just try to win our existing clients additional, their uh, more of their business with, with us?
1: You know, I'm going to ask you a personal question, as I always do. It's it's always about me, my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to get a small business loan for another business that I have. And the way that I've gone about that is I went to like sba.org. Yeah. And yeah, am I on the wrong path here? Because I feel overwhelmed. I have like probably 15 banks have reached out to me and i just i like don't know what to do now
0: okay so, so what i what little i can recall about sba loans <laughs> the requirements were pretty substantial it was more like okay it's it's more suitable for an established small business so if you're looking say if you're looking up for startup funding for a, for a business the sba loans from what i remember were not the way to go so hopefully that's
1: interesting well yeah i guess i'll i it's a six-year-old business so i I don't know i'll i'll figure it out but it is interesting how like now i don't know these people at all but it's just kind of like who can get in contact with me and like i don't know i feel i don't really like that as much but
0: yeah. Or I mean, there's other ways to be able to, to raise capital for, for your business. Maybe like cr- you could look at crowdfunding or friends and family. Uh, I'm not, d- depending on how much you need, uh, you can use like a convertible note to be able to raise so that you're not, uh, giving up exactly equity uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can be able to get hard money loans because just from my experience, uh, as a banker, I was like, this is uh, this is ridiculous. It's it's hard to actually get money for the people that need money and have a legitimate purpose for it. So,
1: so I am I like bank at Bank of America, and my first thought was like, well, I've banked here a very long time. Maybe I should go this route, but I went the SBA route. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Anyway, just <laughs> thought you <laughs> might have a secret a secret way.
0: <laughs> no, no, I wish I did, but unfortunately not.
1: Okay, so. While you're working at Wells Fargo, that was the last place you worked. Yes, uh, it,
0: was actually, it was actually Merrill Lynch was the last Merrill place.
1: Merrill Lynch, Merrill Lynch. Um, did you have the idea for Personify there, or did you just want to create something on your own?
0: So it was, uh, it, it, the, the seed was planted at Merrill Lynch for sure, but the idea wasn't conceived until after I had left the firm. Um, so when I was working at the firm, it, My and this was my my biggest struggle was the the firm was and this is not exclusive to to them, but all a lot of the investment firms out there are in fact pushing for cookie cutter portfolios, which I, I wasn't a big fan of because people have various different. They have very different financial situations that call for different types of investment strategies. Uh, it's not just investing, but being able to have it match their financial plan. And these very risk-based cookie-cutter type portfolios were just um, were oversimplifying it. Uh, and it's not just also the financial plan, but also uh, investment preferences. So some people want to invest in uh, in something that's some very specific corporations that are like hey my, my parents used to work there it's very sentimental to me or I have these stock certificates that were given to me since I was a grand, uh, grandbaby. baby uh, or I, I only want to invest in say for example ESG and these the, these once again these cookie cutter portfolios from a risk standpoint from the investment firms it was very easy for them because it mitigates a lot of liability for them. By just blanketing everyone. But for a lot of people, it's really underserving them. And then on top of that, they're they're being charged a really, really, really high fees. Uh, I, I think, you know, I really think that people are going to wake up and just walk away eventually once they realize how damaging these fees are. Yeah. So... Um yeah, yeah but, but just to continue so so the idea was like going okay so i saw that and said that, man there's got to be an easier way for people to invest so I was like, this is this is not working i mean this uh it's not working for me <laughs> so uh I, I mean like i wouldn't i'm selling this and i wouldn't even do it so i i said that there's got to be an easier way for people to, to to learn this so i i had left my firm um and then I discovered when talking to friends that they'd really like to ask each other what they're investing in. And that's, that was, it was hard for me to resonate with that for a long time because I said, I would, I would never ask you. I, 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 don't want to know what you're investing in or your opinion. It's yeah. not that uh, because I do this professionally. I, I do this for, for a living and I know how to draw my own conclusions and, and invest on uh, and research on my own. So After hearing that from several of my different friends, I said, well, let's maybe let's test this idea out Um, I I want to be able to help people but let's figure if there's a a business behind this so I started posting trades on social media and immediately dozens of friends started messaging me. I mean friends were driving to my house because before I I didn't I Didn't really advertise that I worked in the industry Uh, if you work in the industry um you you, you can't <laughs> because there's a lot of regulations and your investment firms are pretty uh pretty tight for example some firms don't even allow you to even be on social media period so so after having a lot of friends take interest go okay ken, ken knows what he's doing i mean they're driving to my house they're calling me up i, I created a facebook group and said okay well, let's see how far we can take this and by that point the pandemic had hit so it's uh, there's a massive amount of interest and demand for this type of content, so I was able to take just a handful of people in a small Facebook group to about thirty thousand people within a year.
1: And uh, and were you mostly just posting your trades, or what were you? What was your main content?
0: Yeah, so I was posting trades, uh, it was a lot of times I was answering a lot of people's questions about what they thought about the market or a very specific investment. I was doing what we call like live at fives, where I was in the evenings, I was going on Facebook live and just talking to them about a uh, recap about the market or what I'm seeing as far as in the macros. Uh, and then it got to the point, even when we were about like 5,000 people, where it just got too overwhelming for me. Uh, there was just so many questions I was fielding that I said, okay, I, I can't, there's no way for me to keep up with this. So what I'm going to do is you can subscribe to, uh, t- to my newsletter. Therefore, instead of asking me or me answering your questions, you can get my thoughts all into one easy newsletter that went out once or twice a week. And then i was sending out trailer alerts via text uh, via text message so I Did had
1: to, people uh, have to pay you to be in your facebook group
0: no so we actually kept it free it's still free uh to this day and then but people if they wanted to get my investment analysis about what i'm doing with my trades how i'm viewing the market and how i'm reacting to the various different market environments as it's constantly evolving they can subscribe to that content and we, at first we charged $5.99, and then we saw that there was like, hey, there's a lot of massive demand for it, so let's increase it to $10, and then we, we eventually, uh, or I eventually increased it to about $16 per month.
1: Cool, okay. So you've got a Facebook group and a newsletter, and you're yes. making money from your trades, in your yes. analysis of the trades.
0: Correct, yes.
1: Okay, all right, so where do we go from there?
0: yeah from so from there that's uh I, I got and this was about a year ago where i got i had another roadblock where hey i'm too busy so okay the idea of personify has been uh has been born I, i've left my firm it's born okay it's fully developed we've got a plan we're putting it forth and then i came to the point where hey writing and researching and doing the trade alerts on my own was too difficult so what i then started doing was recruiting people within my uh within my network and from our our own Facebook group to start doing the same thing that I was doing and replicating it as we were developing and building out the application which is now Personify. So initially I started with about 10 people and then we've recruited, uh, then we've grown it to 15 and then we've grown it to about 30 people as of today and now sort of going through the Facebook group and through email and, and text alerts it's actually all built onto the application where you get the the full experience of, Hey, I got a community. And then if I want to subscribe to other people's content, I can subscribe to it where I can read, what are they doing with their portfolio? I can get the trade alerts and get that portfolio analysis put into practice.
1: Interesting. So what level trader is this best for?
0: So for for me, I was, I like to say I'm kind of well-rounded. That's kind of what I had to be as a financial advisor. You just can't go, hey, well, I only specialize in this uh, situation. So, but we're seeing various different creators from doing options to penny stocks, to uh, to, to crypto and NFTs. So we try to have a wide range of content and creators as we, we bring them onto the platform. So I think that there's, but I do see that there is a high interest in both long-term stocks, and then for anything short-term, a lot of people like to defer to uh, to options to get yeah. something uh, quick and easy.
1: Yeah. So um, how do you screen the other creators?
0: So our initial screening process was looking to see, can one, can they create content? So that was the main thing was, It's not just about are they knowledgeable, but can they have the ability of writing out an investment analysis? So that was one thing we screened for. And then uh, the second thing that we screened for was the actual knowledge. So we didn't want someone that had, say, just a few weeks or a few months underneath their belt. But at least, I mean, we kept the requirement relatively low, at least a year underneath their belt. And just saying, okay, can they form at least a rationale? Because I, I don't want to determine what that rationale should be or what a rationale investment analysis should look like, even though I do have my opinions of what's quality and what's not. But we want to allow the free market so to kind of determine that. And so when we looked at it, can they write an investment analysis, uh, analysis out? And then two, can they develop a sound uh, rationale behind that? Whether it's just going, hey, a gut feeling, and you can make a strong argument for that, at least for me, I'm okay with that. uh, Even though I'm not going to go off of your your gut feeling, I I kind of something uh, based upon that. But that was kind of the main thing. The main two things we looked for was can they write? I guess the, the ability to write and then formulate formulate an argument.
1: Okay, so you don't have to have like. You don't have to submit your trades or anything, right?
0: What, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, so they so for uh, I guess if you're saying applying, they initially didn't have to submit their their trades to us to for us to be able to backlog and see what was their performance, um, and I, and I think that would be an unfair. Um, I, I guess uh, an unfair way of looking at uh, at people, for example, you, you take some of the best hedge fund managers out there and some of them have a losing streak that's beyond belief because it's really just one big hit. Now, I'm not looking for someone to come onto our application, produce a grand slam, but it, it's once again, it's looking, can they, can they write and create and then two, can they make an argument uh, whether how good that argument is, uh, hopefully it's uh, a sound one. But can they make an argument? That's that's really the two things we're looking for. Uh, plus, plus, I guess you can say just the the minimum of like, hey, at least they had some decent amount of time in the market, and but we we always got a sense of that by reading the investment analysis.
1: Interesting. Okay, so if where so, how many people are in the community now?
0: So that we still have our Facebook group. It's still about a 30,000. We have personify which is over 6,000 people on the application. It's, uh, they're both fairly active, uh, with a lot of content and a lot of people sharing and we're still, when we're, we're still growing to this day.
1: Cool. So, um, so, do you, how did you personally pay for the writing out of the app and everything? Or do you have investors or how does that side of it work?
0: Yeah, yeah, so we raised about uh, about $900,000 from friends and family and crowdfunding. Um, that's, uh, we, we raised through what we call a safe, that's uh, a, it's an instrument that's similar to a convertible note. It just says that, hey, we're gonna give you equity in the company at a future date. Because our valuation is so subjective, let's save that argument and look at other milestones of other companies within our vertical and at our stage that uh, based upon our current traction that we know that we can achieve and therefore at that point or at a future date will give you X amount of equity therefore we're not over diluting and then you're not, uh, we're not having to waste our time in this argument. It's mainly just, we want to sell you on the vision of both uh, both our mission and our team. And let's just kind of shake hands and move forward.
1: Cool. It seems like a, a nice way to do that. I mean, and the friends yeah. and family seems nice. So how did you yeah. have to, I'm actually uh, with the podcast in this stage of the podcast, did you have to come up with like your elevator pitch and really get that down?
0: Yes, you definitely have to get your, and you're always developing your elevator pitch. Even to this day, I'm still practicing and changing because you you start to learn new things about your own project. Uh, For example, we just, uh, I don't wanna share exactly what it is because it's kind of like our secret sauce, Uh, but we just, we noticed that one of the features on our application uh, has been, has been used and we had we didn't even advertise this uh this feature but a lot of users have been using it so so we'll start initially about like three users discovered that we had this feature and then it grew to 10 and then it's grown to about 15 now it's about 30 and they've been using this very one specific feature where now it's in in the thousands the 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 growth on it has been a thousand percent month over uh, over month uh, as far as usage so right now we're like okay well now it's kind of changing our story because we didn't think that was going to be a thing uh but yes your elevator pitch has to be sharp you have to be able to explain what you do within a sentence or two uh two max uh and people need to understand what precisely you do and exactly everything that you don't do within those one or two sentences
1: interesting did you have like how how long did it take you to raise the money
0: so so that 800, uh, or it's, it was about 900K. So that took us about a year. We raised that last year. It's been about a year uh, since we we last raised. And in fact, we're actually getting to, ready to raise again. <laughs> so uh, in fact, we're, we're making the announcement today. Ooh. So yeah, yeah. So uh, ironic on the timing. And we're going back to our, our past investors like, hey, we'd like to raise again. Uh, This time we're going to, we're only looking to raise, we're going to be raising less uh, mainly because we want to hit a few, a few, few milestones and not uh, overly dilute ourselves. And hopefully we can reach what we call our series A uh, by that point.
1: So how did you learn how to like create the company or how much of your investment background led you to figure out how to how to sort of switch into this side?
0: It not not as much as I, I had hoped. Um, I mean, I understood a little bit about co- corporate governance that, that there's a board, there's shareholders, there's various different share classes, there's voting rights, uh, there, and there's different clauses when it comes to dilution. So at least I at least had that of a background. Um, having worked with some what we call accredited investors, those are typically people that like to invest in um uh, set of your traditional stocks and bonds in the, in the public markets, but they like to seek alternative type of investments, whether it's real estate, small businesses, or in this case, uh, venture uh, startups so i had i at least had a somewhat of a background but i never had really applied it it was just mainly hey i got books i had a designation around it but never really had too much uh of an opportunity to put it into practice uh but a lot of it has been through i've been learning from advisors youtube there you go there <laughs> it
1: is <laughs> yeah
0: a lot off of youtube it's uh education is uh is out there, a lot of information's out there for free, so you gotta grab onto it and then, but uh, bring on advisors that know what they're doing, because you do, even though YouTube does cover a bulk, a, a lot of it, there are scenarios which every, I guess every startup founder will run into, where you won't find it on YouTube, it has to be like, I need to call an attorney or I'm going to need someone that knows how to navigate this, uh, this situation.
1: I have one of my very, very good friends. I think I mentioned her all the time. She has built a company from scratch and like her goal is to go on shark tank and be able to get a shark and you know, the whole thing. Um, yeah. but, and she's doing amazingly well, but she has a board of advisors that are like experts in all of their field who she really leans on when she's like continuing to scale the business which i just think is like as someone who is like i own two businesses and i work like that would be so nice if it wasn't just me because if i don't know the answer i'm like asking a friend or you know just figuring it out as i go and how much easier you could climb the ladder if you had if you had that, so, I'm so excited to tell you something, you know, how I've been posting my PNLs on Twitter and they've been getting so much better. Yes. Okay. So I've been using this new product called magic mind and, you know, we're really into like biohacking and making our brains better. And it's full of nootropics and it is phenomenal. I used to take a ton of Adderall and then, as you know, I had to stop because I had the heart condition and this is so much better than Adderall. It is like, I'm so calm. I'm so focused. I'm so efficient. I have been doing things that I've been putting off for years just because they're like on my list and I'm just doing them. You know, I'm not like that. I'm a creative.
0: (laughs) So this is the magic sauce, huh?
1: Yeah. You just take this bottle in the morning. It says it's best to try it for three days. And I thought maybe I was having just a placebo effect. So I got my husband on it. He's will not go to work without it. And then I also have my mom on it. I gave her three bottles and she called me yesterday and was like, I have to come over and get more bottles just so that I have them before my order arrives. We're all... On it. And man, our minds are really popping. Wow. Sounds like I am uh, missing out. Yeah, you should try it. Let me tell you how. You can go to magicmind.co slash penny, which you can also find at the link in this episode. And if you use the discount code penny. 20, you can get 20% off a one-time order or 40% off a subscription. Now I would recommend you go ahead and get the subscription, but if you want to try it, that's fine too. And this offer is only good for the next 10 days. So we have to get the whole team on it. Can you imagine how streamlined the podcast will be? sounds like a game changer to me. 40% is a lot. That's a lot. Uh, That's a big percent. Um, I really do want to get us all on it so that we can just be like trading superstars and podcast superstars. Well, I'm going to the website right after this then. Okay, do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Having a board of advisors is, is really helpful uh, for, I, I see two, uh, two, two, two ways that they're very, at least helpful for me. One is, I think you kind of alluded to is, is that you're not alone because it is uh, it is very lonely. Uh, to be in a startup, you're, you're, you're working on something that's to create something that's never been successfully created. I don't say it's, it's not been attempted because, uh, almost every idea has been attempted out there. So having advisors or other people behind you that can cheer you on, it helps tremendously because it is uh, a daunting, uh, it is daunting to be able to pursue this path, uh, path alone. Um, and then the second thing is having that expertise and I think one thing that's not probably hounded off uh, Enough is having good board of advisors. I know that most of your audience is uh, around uh, stock or investing but at least for me I had to learn the hard ways that because um, Because someone's smart and successful or wealthy doesn't mean you should uh, should take their advice in fact you should You should be very, very careful about taking those people's uh, advice just based upon that. I know that, and you will run into them, that they're from, say, an Ivy League school, they're very successful, they had an exit. You need to be extra cautious around those people because they they, they are very smart. But because they dealt with their situation or their startup and business doesn't mean it's directly applicable. Yes, there's some, but you want to find someone that is as applicable as possible, whether it's very specific in marketing or legal or whatever it may be that you need help in navigating because you will, uh, I, and I've, I've learned this, that you will get bad advice uh, that, will, that will hurt you. So and that will put you where it will limit options. So that's uh, that's one thing to to be careful about, and maybe even going through a trial period and making sure you have a set cadence yep. uh, involved is, is important.
1: Interesting. That's super interesting because you certainly would like. I would take advice. I mean, I have like my whole life. If you know, yeah. but I do find that at the end of the day, no matter how good the resume is of the person who gives me the advice there is always like a gut feeling and like i usually tend to go with what i think is right for better or worse you know what i mean
0: yeah i I like that you said gut because there's a as as i've made uh made mistakes in in my uh in this startup and starting and creating personify uh i've A lot of times as I was asking advice from different people, I'm like, I don't know if that sounds right. I don't know what it is, but I went with it and then uh, sure enough, you come uh, down another obstacle or a month down the road and realize, wow, that was a terrible decision because you as uh, the owner of your podcast or me, the owner and uh, founder and CEO of Personify do understands more about the business and has more information and the other person is uh as well uh well meaning and they want to help you out they don't have all the information so therefore they're giving you advice and drawing a conclusion with the little window that they have which is not which is not perfect by any totally. means.
1: totally so why would i why would i as a retail investor go and get on personify and actively engage in it over discord or Twitter or the other stack twits, the other places I have available to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what I, I see is that there's, there's a huge gap between when it comes to type of information out there. So when you come to traditional say investment research, there's what we call like the boring barons. Of the world. It's like, Hey, I can go to barons or morning stars. And a lot of our generation, mine and yours on younger doesn't exactly resonate with that. And so what we're seeing the behaviors of our current generation and what I call the modern day investor is that instead they're going to social media. Like you said, okay, well, what's keeping us from Twitter and discord and the quality of information deteriorates dramatically. So I want to give you an example and and I'm uh, <laughs> hopefully you don't know this. Uh, you, you may know this. Uh, well, I'm not going to say the name. But I, I had, for example, I went onto a Twitter space with a uh, an influencer. He has a he he had about one hundred fifty thousand followers, and in his Twitter space, he was just getting he was getting grilled really really bad. He has a Discord channel, and he he does the same exact thing as me, where he's posting trades and he's talking about his investment analysis. Now. The reason why he was being grilled and being cornered by, and I'm talking about hundreds of people, and now hundreds of people can't speak in that Twitter space, but the, the say, five or ten guests were not letting this uh, this influencer off the ropes by any means, was saying, I don't believe that you're making these trades. And so they're, they're all insisting, like, we lost money, and this person says, no, had you followed it correctly, you didn't follow my directions, you would have made money. And so they, they had, so... And I'm only coming to a part of it, but I joined just in time for the people. Like they were literally yelling at them, just going, "No, you're you're a liar. That's not what you said, and uh, that's not what happened." So there also comes not when it comes to the quality, it also comes to lack of trust. Uh, I think our generation is very trusting that we take people at their word and go, "Okay, they're yes, they're doing it." Until when it comes to losing our wallets, and I think a lot of us have have been there where you've trusted someone, you, you follow them them or took their advice on, on a specific trade, and you're like, man, did they really do it? Or do they really know what they're talking? So the reason why you wanna to go to Personify because we're that middle ground where we bring the quality and we have that trust because you know it's verified and know that's happening in reality. The way that I look at Personify and the future of Personify, it's almost like a, a, a public Investment journal—that's personal, so I can be able to document about my analysis, my trades. You can refer back to it, and you can be able to see what is my track record and how I'm performing. And therefore, as a subscriber that's putting forth dollars, both to subscribing to that content and putting into the market, you can make more informed decision. Going, okay, does Ken only not know? uh, Only knows what he's doing. uh, Does he know what he's doing? But uh, am I willing to also put my money behind him and following his, his trade? So that's, that's why people are, are coming to us and why Personify is so, uh, so successful at, the, at this point.
1: Because um, are most of your app users from your 30,000 Facebook people who know you? I, is, are you the main person that they're getting their advice from?
0: So right now I, I currently have no subscribers. So before I had over a thousand people subscribe and paying for, uh, for my content, at the highest point it was like 1300 people were paying for it. So I had, uh, I had taken a step back about a year ago I and handed it off to other people, uh, that and allowed these people to resubscribe to other, uh, other different people on our platform. So at this, to this day, right now, people are looking at, uh, people that have worked at hedge funds. Um, from, say, Millennium to, to, say, Fidelity, to from Vanguard to people that are just self-taught from the uni- University of YouTube. So that's, we have a wide range when it comes to skill sets and, and backgrounds for for people to subscribe to on, on Personified.
1: Interesting. So, so what's your plan, your future plan for getting more users on the app? Or subscribers on the app
0: yeah so we're work, working through with our, our users at this point to look for how do we create network effects I think that we look at the the most famous example of network effects is Facebook where they were able to work through the universities and keep it exclusive so we're looking for ways to be able to take our power users and get them to be advocates for our brand and ways to like, sort for example, how TikTok rewards their users and gets their users to do something that's benefits both TikTok and the users like by saying, hey, why don't you share that TikTok video on Instagram or on Facebook? And it has, you know, the, the TikTok logo that and people became aware of it. So we're trying to figure out our shareability uh, that's going to allow our power users to be able to that uh, reward themselves as well as find a way to that benefits personify uh, we are running ads we have a marketing agency we're, we're working with uh, with influencers in our space uh, to be able to create awareness about what we're doing and the fact that's actually our, our next move is to be able to work uh, more closely than what we have uh, had, had done in the past with working in, with influencers.
1: I'm just think you know, I have, I like do marketing stuff. So I was just thinking, I was just thinking, all right.
0: Um, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so influencers.
0: Yeah. And maybe like the more correct terminology is creators. So before it is when you asked me, um, hey, what are you doing to, to validate or to, to kind of screen the various different creators on the platform? We want to actually get to a point where anyone can be a creator. It's not gonna be just uh, going through this uh, analog process of applying and a screening and hopping on a call with you, but we want it where, just like Airbnb, Uh, Brian Chesky doesn't drive to your house and goes, okay, do you have a a working smoke alarm? You got got clean sheets, but you within minutes can be able to take photos of your house and post it and have people uh, book your place for Airbnb. So that's that's what we want to be able to have happen, and in fact, that's actually our next stage uh, stage of development, where anyone within minutes can be able to start creating, monetizing, and and getting their their friends to be able to subscribe to their content. And I, I know that a lot of people from talking our users has that one or two friends that they like to talk to and collaborate when it comes to investment ideas.
1: Cool. So are you? going to become like a media company or like a content creation I, studio type company
0: yeah yeah so I, I do see yeah the vision of personify is to be like we like to call it like the like the bar sports okay. or finance because it really is there, there, and when you think about it, there hasn't been anyone that has really grabbed this space or is going and tackling this, uh, this opportunity. Because you look at, say, political news. Uh, there are versus uh, traditional news sets like your CNN or your Fox or whatever channel you, you choose to subscribe or watch to. On social media, there are groups, if you will that are creating their own content on social media in a form of news and there isn't and you see that with politics you get see that with uh you see that with sports but you don't see that with finance now there are influencers yes and creators in the space but there really isn't a brand if you will that is grabbing people and that's what why we want we see ourselves as the barstool sports uh of finance and that's uh the the end vision of where we want to be is not only do we want to have creators but we want to start recruiting top creators have them be able to support our colors our brand where they they're, they're proud about it and saying hey I'm on personify a hey, exclusive to personify and that's one thing that we encourage our creators to do is is to, to share that where we prop you up we, we run uh, we, we have graphics and run ads behind you and they do the same thing likewise where it's a mutual beneficial partnership. Uh, of Interesting.
1: i was just doing talking having a sponsorship conversation with someone and i'm getting frustrated with getting with so i have ad slots in the podcast as any anyone yeah. would and i have last bottle wine love you guys thank you they're like our go-to they sponsor every season they it they're it's like such an incredible incredible partnership and I love the company so I don't make any like revenue or commission but make like literally all my best friends are just buying all my family buying everyone I am like an incredible ambassador for them because they're just treating me well they're letting me make the podcast yeah. and I think they have a fabulous company so like that is great, and then I go into other sponsorship meetings. And I'm like, well, it cost X, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, and it's sort of like I've gotten to the point where I'm like, pretend I'm a golfer, and you're ping, like sponsor me and let me do what I do, and like I'll, pre-. but no, but that's a hard sell because people want numbers and da 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 da, and it takes a very special relationship to do like you have to think the creator is very very special to be like I'm going to trust you to do what you do and I'm going to sponsor you wear my paying hat and do whatever you want to do and that we're good and yeah. I think that that is that's very hard especially in the podcast world I mean I do create a lot of content with Instagram Twitter podcast all of that but like it's so incredibly saturated right now. And I do know that the podcast industry is supposed to like quadruple or something this year. I don't know exactly what it is, but like it's on wow. fire. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've st- I've been creating content since I started writing a blog in 2006 and just transitioned it from like the blog to Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to podcast, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it is... There is sort of a need for that kind of relationship, for that kind of like sponsorship relationship versus just a shotgun approach of like, I'm just going to throw $50 this podcast and $50 this podcast and $50 at this podcast and then sure. you don't get that synergy. Anyway, I'm on a soapbox. It's just my own <laughs> as someone who is, it, who is on the other side of it.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's interesting you said that because I was on, <laughs> on a call and I actually was doing exactly just what uh, you were saying that you didn't like because I was like, well, "Our number says this. Our acquisition means this. So uh, we need to get this down." Right. So that means <laughs> so. Oh man, that's uh, I feel horrible now. <laughs> but it's uh, that would be nice to have a good relationship, and I think that that's good that develops at, uh over time. And I think that's what's going to happen with uh, with some of the creators that we're partnering up with. Uh, that as we start to uh, to deepen those relationships, uh, that will be that their audience becomes more accustomed to us. Therefore, they convert. So th- this company that's using you, that you have a great relationship, they know the conversion is going to be there. They know that you're going to do a fantastic job. So, uh, but for, I, 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 but I do understand totally. from the business side. It's like, hey, you got to you, you got to have the numbers totally, that line up. totally.
1: <laughs> and it's um it's so interesting that kind of like especially as a creator i'm not i'm not a super numbers person here i'm gonna trade the stocks i don't really understand map whatever um but yeah, yeah. i do there is a missing kind of piece there i feel like and it's
0: But what's what's cool, what I what I like that you just said earlier was about how, uh, and I'm curious to see this, and I don't, uh, I, I totally believe the numbers that you said that it's going to quadruple the next for, uh, few years. And so that maybe the listeners are like, oh, I'm going to jump on my podcast, which I do agree, it's also oversaturated. But the numbers are showing a massive, massive exodus from traditional <laughs> news. I was actually, I, I was stunned. To see that it's not just even younger, uh, younger adults, but it's also—I mean—it's even the boomers that are also leaving their their uh, their uh, favorite newspaper or magazine that they were subscribing to, and their their cable news. Instead, it's like we find a lot, and it's not just trust. I, I don't—I don't know what it what it is to to be to be frank, but I think it's beyond just trust because I think that. Uh, however you may feel about uh, the honesty of of the big media companies, but people are moving to more social media. They prefer asking their friends or a familiar face. That's not behind uh, say such and such corporation. And you look at the research like 48% uh, and I think people listening to this will probably nod their heads like, yeah, that's about right. 48% of all adults on the U S get their news. On social media, that's huge. And I think it's like what Gen Gen Z is like seventy percent. The writing's on the wall. And, and in fact, we've been contacted by big media corporations uh, because they're keeping their eyes uh, on us, and as, as well as our competitors and others out there, because they do they do know that the future of news is going to be more social and podcasts. It's YouTube. It's facebook what 35 40 of adults get most of their news already yeah. on facebook and it's not it like they clicked a link it was actually like hey i saw such and such bring up this event so therefore they're now aware of it or this was trending on yep. twitter or reddit
1: um I think that there is so much, like, I'm a huge fan of the morning brew. It's a huge reason why I started trading because they it's so concise and relatable. And I think, I think Robin Hood Snacks, which is a podcast, Robin Hood's podcast, is so wonderful because you get in, like, 10 minutes, their sort of take on the market. And then the morning brew, that takes five minutes to read, and you just get the main sort of things and you don't have to deal with like turning on the tv or whatever but you know you're getting financial content from someone you trust and that is very valuable and i i mean well i Absolutely. actually do still use my robin hood but i think robin hood has been very smart people hate robin hood i guess but they've been so smart in yeah. in what they in making trading accessible to anybody like it's you know
0: yeah I, I agree i i feel like that uh, as much as we it's popular to dislike robin hood they've done an incredible job of creating accessibility and democratizing the stock market uh the the payment for order flows hopefully there's uh, a solution <laughs> around that uh but they have i think that even despite the problems that they have, they have brought more good than they have brought uh, yep. evil, if you will. Totally. To, uh, to
1: the- totally. Well, I'm so excited for all the things that you have that for the future. And like, I think you're doing a great job building it because it seems like it is like building a very solid foundation, which I always think is wonderful in a company when you like, slowly kind of layer on like i started this and then i did this and then i did this versus like i've got a company (laughs) yeah so that's great i'm excited for your next round of funding and uh the new creators you're going to be partnering with i saw that you guys are sponsoring some twitter spaces yourself how's that going (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's going okay. So we've we've That's had some so questions. Sure. <laughs> it takes sure. time, so <laughs> yeah. it, it uh. So there's uh, sometimes that we have like a dozen people. Sometimes we have like a few hundred people. So uh, we left one of our our community manager Ryan to to it. He's had a lot of success on social media and hacking and figuring out uh, the ways around, say, applications from Twitter to Facebook. Uh, to even stop twits. Um, but he's been hosting them. This is where we want to be present on, on Twitter. We know that our target demographic is on Twitter. Uh, so we're, we're very keenly focused on that. Uh, and I, I think that's, uh, we'll, we'll continue to host those Twitter spaces and hope to attract more eyeballs and, and it doesn't have to be so that it comes and downloads personify, but by all means, yes, we ultimately want this, but we also want to be able to, to help people out, uh, And in fact, you know, part of that, we've not only are hosting Twitter spaces to educate and talk about the market with people, but we also have a free newsletter that goes out to anyone. It doesn't have to be a user of the application. You can get it where we send it out weekly, uh, where it talks about what's trending amongst retail investors uh, to different plays, to to our market analysis. And our, our writers behind it have... A ton of industry background, so they're they're great writers producing quality content. So anyone that's interested in something that's free and that's uh, that's going to help them be, hopefully become a better investor by all means. We 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 just want to be able to help. Uh, As help someone
1: out. who has a company that is focused on the stock market, which is now in a bear market, so. unfortunately yes unfortunately i my hope for the i have big like dreams for the future of the the podcast like five-year dreams of of how i want to build all that out but i'm trying to like lay this foundation and right now my number one uh priority is to maintain the audience that we have on some level so that when we go back into a bull market i will then have seniority over the new class of traders or whatever that comes in and have like an established authority are you in a similar are you feeling similarly to that
0: yeah it's uh the the way that we're we're reacting to the current market just like public markets uh are in a bear market, same thing with the private market. So it's ironic saying, hey, I'm raising capital and in, in, uh, in a bear market or in a recession, I'm pretty sure we're in a recession. Uh, we just have to wait for the numbers to come out, which you know they, they should be out in a few days. But we're, we're kind of, a, I want to say we're, we're in a holding pattern, but we're mm-hmm. focusing on the necessities. And we know that it's going to return to a bull market. So we want to be able to be an established player and have, being a staple name out there for people to turn to, so we're still looking to grow, uh, but uh, we we do understand that growth is going to be difficult in, in this uh, in this current climate. But we are very optimistic because we are finding out that there are people that uh, our target demographic. I'll, I'll even maybe even add is a little bit more resilient than we had anticipated. Yes, so. yes.
1: I'm so we're in a bear market. It is July, so you know, historically people are not trading nearly as much as they are in the fall, you know, traders are on vacation or whatever. And we are still, we are maintaining, we're no longer in a growth pattern on the podcast, but the listeners that we have are so loyal, like people are listening to every episode and we're maintaining so beautifully that I, I'm very hopeful and there's two ways to look at it, right? You could look at it as like, oh, the market's bad, nobody cares about trading, everyone lost their money or like whatever. You could be very woe as me, but I'm like, hey, like, I think we really have something here if we haven't lost all our listeners despite all of these things.
0: That, absolutely. And here's here's another thing too. I'm actually quite excited for the people that that are, are able to, I guess, hodl, if you will, through this bear market because we know it goes through cycles, but you know it's going to pay off in a big way for the people who stuck with it. Uh, one thing that advisors we like to say to our clients, hey, it's not about time in the market, but it's time spent in the market. And I think that's that's one thing that they're they're going to learn from this is that as they go through this uncharted territory of a bear market since it's the first we've experienced in over 10 years it's going to be a great thing for them so long term it's going to pay off for for them it's going to pay off for us and and our businesses and our brands so it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting times to look forward to uh but for sure and everyone on twitter
1: or social media is saying that like This is a historic event in our lifetime. Like the opportunity created right now is once in a lifetime. But I definitely think that that, even though it doesn't feel good right now, I do think it's a historic opportunity. And you just have to survive.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and I don't like to. Maybe I, I look at it a different way. Uh, maybe yes, I agree that hey, yes, we have to survive, but there is opportunities, and this is maybe stealing off of a uh, saying off of Jim Cramer. Hey, there's a bull market <laughs> anywhere. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Jim Cramer, and uh, I, I I totally understand. But uh, if if you find people that know what they're doing, that's that's part of what persona advice is about is that accountability and that trust. For example. Our chief editor, Greg Kilpak, he's up 85% year to date. He's been shorting the market. He's been trade. He's been an equities trader. He's been trading for over 20 plus years. So, and and as our community of Personify, we saw this coming from a mile away. So all of us got very bearish very early. Uh, so and that was back from the very first correction, and back in February, it was like, hey, this seems you know we know that the QE was uh was was blown out of proportion. Uh, there's talks of QT and raising interest rates, so this may be a time to abandon those uh, those cool tech stocks and look for something that are less sexy, or start buying some puts and shorting the market. So a lot of our audience has been able to not only just survive but thrive in this market because they have that community that uh, that they're able to to that, that has a similar interest but also knows what they're doing and helps navigate together and I, I think that's what's important is that we why we're successful is because we have those people to, to help each other out.
1: My mom started a luxury real estate company in 2006, yeah. the yeah. worst time to start uh, a luxury real estate company but we were super small when we started we had like five or six people and were able to weather that recession very easily because we didn't have a lot of overhead we didn't have a lot of staff um we were just getting started and she always likes to say and I think she's right that in times of recession people lean on people they trust with a proven track record to sell their homes whereas in a bull market when times are good sure your neighbor can list your home or you know someone who's had their license for a year but when but but when you really need it you're going to go with someone who's been selling real estate for 20 years and is going to look out for your best interest it and i same same in the stock market like nobody i know is just buying alerts off twitter anymore Yeah, and we could for so long, and it was fun and it was great. But now you, now is the time where you need someone you trust to help build your knowledge base.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's, uh, (laughs) definitely (laughs) agree that you want to have that that experience
1: for sure. Well, in that way, this could just be like the best possible thing for you and me. Both, I mean, starting starting any kind of stuff or. A, a young stock business right now. It could just it truly be the opportunity of a lifetime, which is what I'm betting on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, this maybe this seems a little weird. I didn't do this uh, for for money. At least when I when I think about the firm and where I left, I left a very comfortable salary. Uh, for a lot of people that don't know, I don't. Even, I didn't even graduate with my degree. I dropped out uh, due to the financial crisis of 0- 0- 0- 08. So. Uh, it was it was tar- uh, it was tough. Uh, there was no jobs. I was trying to go to school part time, and eventually uh, I decided, like, hey, this, I don't think this is for me. It's school's just too expensive, so I dropped out. Luckily, it did pay off for me. It was a, a gamble, if you will. I, I think it was probably one of the smartest financial decisions I made. And but I got into this, even though we we deal with money. I, I I didn't go into this a. For money, if I, I if I wanted money, I could stayed at my firm and and made the, the the great salary I was making being paid. But instead, I, I did it because I was passionate about it, and I see that with you and your podcast. So the people, the the true believers, if you will, are going to stick around, and they're going to weather this because it's not about the finances. It's not. We don't do this for the money. We do it for the love of the sport, if you will.
1: Totally. Totally. I mean, this podcast has not made me a cent, but like, <laughs> but it has paid off in so many incredible ways—in knowledge, and in connections, in community, and friendship. Like, it's one of the very, very best things I've ever done. It's not—it's not for money.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. I, yeah. I believe. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I get. I feel you. <laughs> but it is nice. Like I have been um, really on a track of it just not costing me money and that's a real thing you know there's equipment there's time there's production and so it is it's about money in the sense that I don't want it to cost me money too um but that's been as an artist and a creator it has been hard for me to put it put a business plan in place of like how do I grow this so that it's not a weight on me. <laughs> yes. But you know, I'm learning.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure.
1: For sure. Well, I'm thank you so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. I can't wait. I know you'll keep me in the loop of everything you guys have going on, and I'm happy to share it with all all the listeners. And I think it's just wonderful and I so so respect anybody who um, invest in themselves and takes a chance. I think it is just, it's just my favorite trait. I love a chance taker. I love someone who has a dream that they want to build. So, yeah,
0: yeah, congratulations. thank you. Yeah, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. And likewise to you, it's, <laughs> and to me, maybe just as a closing, just closing thought and idea, at least what makes me excited and passionate about it is that I always, one thing I recognize is that uh, ownership is the key to, to wealth. So you owning your own podcast, me owning my own startup or business, people owning individual stocks, and that's, that's, uh, that is my core belief and what, uh, what gets me up in the morning. So anyone that's listening can, that can benefit from that, uh, maybe there's one takeaway, own something. Own something that's going to appreciate and grow, that you, you love and, and help uh, <laughs> help nurture.
1: Totally, totally. Totally. Being even as a trader, like people trade to be their own boss and to get yes. back time with their loved ones and to take back control of their lives. Like that is a that's a fundamental human desire is yes. to be in control of one's own finances and what they what how you spend your time.
0: Yes, I think we keep on saying like it's around finance. I, I don't at least because uh, I I do believe that I kind of like where I say it's just it's more about the time. So even though I spend a lot and I'm sure you do spend like 18 hour days on your podcast or and I, I know that I do the same thing where it's even sometimes 24 hours in a day working on Personify. But it's it's mainly just the freedom. I think it's more the, the, the freedom of being your own boss that's uh, that's more rewarding than the finances itself
1: totally and i certainly work harder for myself than i you know like i'm a, <laughs> no one else is building my dream so yeah I, you know no one's gonna work harder than me on this
0: agree cool good stuff so thank you once again for having me here and uh i look forward to our continued conversations
1: totally me too thank you
0: By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane Podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane Podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.